Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, the knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to Exo Higher Self. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our first episode after our long break. It feels so good to be back. I am refreshed and ready to go. And to all the people who have been patiently waiting for our new episodes, I am so grateful to you. The time off was really, really nourishing. So thank you. Thank you so much. But I am super glad to be back. All right, so how have you been? How has these past few months gone? I know a lot has changed, obviously, in the past few months in the world, I'm sure in your personal lives, definitely in my personal life. But you know what hasn't changed? We are still on the path of aligning with our higher selves and putting more love into the world. And that never changes, does it? Even on the days we aren't conscious of our higher selves, the days where life just seems to be full of chaos and obstacles and suffering and stress, even on those days, our higher selves are always there within us waiting for our return home. No matter who you are, life is going to have its ups and downs, but we stay grounded in the truth of our wholeness and divinity and connection to each other through it all. We are connected through love. So before we get to the questions, I do want to invite you to our new monthly Higher Self readings for Patreon subscribers. Every last Saturday of the month, I'm going to be hosting a live Higher Self reading. That means I'm going to be answering questions directly in the Zoom. So you can come on and ask me your question and I can answer it. And I also get to meet you, which is great. I get to see your gorgeous faces, which is really nice because in the podcast world, you know, you're kind of sitting there by yourself (laughs) recording in a microphone. And I think it will be really, really nice to have some interaction, right? And I'm also really excited about these monthly readings because... It's an opportunity for us all to come together. You know, whether you want to ask a question or not, you can come and watch and and bring your energy to the space and support it, support other people. 
And I really do enjoy being able to answer questions on the fly. Um, it's a completely different energy. It feels more like a channeling. You know, the the podcast, I do try to channel as much as I can, but it's a different type of process, right? I'm talking into a microphone in front of a computer, and it's just different when I'm actually face-to-face with somebody. So I'm really looking forward to starting this series of monthly readings. The first one is going to be April 30th. That's a Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to take part in these readings, you want to ask a question or just watch or watch the video recording afterwards that I'm going to be posting on the Patreon, sign up as an Angels or Miracles tier at patreon.com forward slash exo higher self. Okay, loves, I know it's been a while, so I don't want to be rambling too much and I'm really excited to get to the questions. So here we go. Hi, bunny. Uh, Firstly, I just wanted to thank you for all that you do. Your light and love shines so brightly through all the darkness we've been surrounded by for so long. I'm so grateful to be able to feel your love and support across this platform and throughout the community here. It's so beautiful to see everyone sharing their love and hardships from such a depth of soul. It truly can be felt across time and space, and I am sending all the light and love back to each and every one of you. The light that shines within you is seen and felt enormously. Keep up the love. I'm so thankful we all have each other to lean on in this life. Um, So my question today is about sexual confidence. My heart honestly just started beating faster (laughs) when I said that and thinking about asking this question. So I'm just going to jump in. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I love sex. I think it's a beautiful way to express yourself, express your love for someone else, show yourself love and self-care through pleasure. I mean, I think it's amazing and lovely and important in our lives all around. We have to make it to have, or we have to have, have it to make more of our species, and so do a whole bunch of other creatures on the planet. But when it comes down to it, I'm just so embarrassed about it. <laughs> like, I've had plenty of it, lots of experience with it, good and bad. I've had magical, passionate, and also traumatic, you know, lately. As I've gotten older and more open to new things and I'm reaching an age where women reach their sexual peak, I've just been feeling really small. Like, I feel weird trying to be sexy or talk sexy. Oh my god, (laughs) that really, I don't know why. Anyway, basically just having any confidence with my abilities at all, which is super weird because when I was younger I was way more confident in myself and way less knowledgeable but I just was so much easier then anyway I just want to own my confidence and it's hard and I'm not sure how exactly to move past the awkwardness I've been feeling uh the other layer to this that makes it extra hard to be confident is that I'm apparently a stereotype of beauty So anywhere I go, anything I do, people are always making comments to me and hitting on me and being extra kind or extra gross or touchy-feely or rude or possessive or assuming or whatever else you can think of. 
So having confidence and owning my sexuality just draws even more attention to me. And I really dislike the attention. I want to be able to own the fact (laughs) that I'm built the way I am and look the way I look. But I want to do it for myself, not everyone else and all the attention that that would bring. It feels like I'll seem like I want the attention or will come off as conceited or something else negative that I'm not. And anyway, there's obviously a lot of layers here. (laughs) This is already really long. Any advice you have would be so appreciated. Um, Thank you again for all that you do. All of you. I love you all. Hi, sweetheart. There is a lot of layers there, and that is because we were all raised in a society that associates sexuality with shame. So there's body shame, shame in pleasure, shame about desire, and that has its roots in religious oppression, patriarchy, and colonialism. Shame is and has been used as a political tool. It's a way to control people and colonists went around the world teaching many indigenous cultures that sexuality was something to be ashamed about. Religious leaders have called women shameful simply for living in the bodies that they do. Even as young people, we get the message that being a slut is like the worst thing a person who is socialized as female could be. Side note, I was called a slut for years. One day in seventh grade, I showed up to school and some freshman girls had made this big poster and they put it in front of the school, calling me and my best friend at the time sluts and hung it on the wall. And so many people saw it and I was like so humiliated. I mean, I was called a slut even before I had any sexual experiences because even being desirable by men meant there was something wrong with you. And that toxic masculinity also has devastating effects for people socialized as men. Men and boys are praised for their sexual conquest. They're taught in order to have power sexually. They need to show dominance. And because sex is such a fundamental part of what makes us human, internalizing shame around that affects so much of our self-worth. Not to mention if you have experienced any trauma or abuse around sex that also leads to intense shame. Not to mention being queer or non-binary or trans and all of the shame that goes along with that. I mean, there's just, yeah, there's a lot of layers. And it's totally okay to feel unsure or insecure or confused or even to feel unsafe to express that part of yourself. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Shaming yourself for having shame just adds another layer of shame, doesn't it? So how do we move to let go of all of this stuff, all of this conditioning, all these layers? We don't focus on making our feelings about it wrong. We focus on stopping making ourselves feel like we are wrong for having those feelings. And that's what true confidence is. It's the willingness to accept yourself for where you are in your own growth and evolution and awakening. When you build awareness of these thoughts of insecurity, which is what you're doing now, by the way, you're building your awareness, you're starting to notice it, it's coming into your consciousness. That's why you wrote into this podcast you start to question the validity of those thoughts. For example, when you have the thought of, I'm too old to be sexually experimental, for example, 
You can ask yourself, where is that thought coming from? Is it coming from my higher self or my ageist patriarchal conditioning? You begin to separate your identity from those learned hierarchical beliefs. And that's all they are, beliefs. And you can choose to not believe them. When you start to transform that lens to the lens of your higher self, you also see and experience other people separate from that conditioning too. Right now, when you walk into a bar, you want to make yourself small so nobody objectifies you. And that's totally understandable. But you also have to realize that you are objectifying people by assuming that that is how they see you, by making them small, by not seeing their true self in all of the spectrums of their experience. Yes, there will be people out there who do toxic things and who are not nice. Yes, there will be those people. But most people are kind, compassionate, open, and caring. And when you're in the awareness of your higher self, the realization that no one can take away your power, it's like a compass that guides you to the people, places, and things that reflect your true value and give you the empowerment to walk away from toxic situations knowing it really has nothing to do with you. You are in charge of the story you tell yourself about your sexuality. You are in charge of the story you tell about your own beauty and power and joy. You are powerful. Keep taking the steps forward to own it. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. I'm an American architecture student, and I have this semester and another year left of my bachelor's in architecture degree. I love architecture with my whole heart, and I'm very much in my element in this field. But architecture culture as a whole demands that workers work themselves to the bone, often without compensation. I'm a passionate designer, and I'm good at what I do. But I don't think I can take this lack of work-life balance. Our professors and critics say that school was the time of their lives, and things only get harder from there. But I can't imagine it getting worse. I already feel like school has crushed my soul. I'm exhausted from the constant pressure capitalism puts on us to survive. I feel so burnt out at this point. I can't imagine working a nine to five in architecture or in any other field for that matter. How can I mitigate this? I have to survive in this capitalist world somehow. In addition to this, I'm scared about being trans and going by a gender neutral and kind of wacky name. Yes, I'm a fellow NB with an animal for a name. Anyways, I'm scared of being alienated in architecture firms for being different. I'm taking steps to enjoy my personhood by doing things that are fun to me, like cooking, coloring, playing the bass guitar, and visiting with friends and family. I'm also in therapy and that's really helping. But I feel guilty for not always putting 100% into my work. I've just been too dang tired to accomplish everything I want to in my degree. I recently had to step down from my school's LGBT club president position because I felt like my brain was about to explode with how much I was trying to juggle. I also work 8 to 10 hours a week typically. Thank you for everything you do, Bunny. Your work has been a great resource for learning to be a kind and compassionate person in this world, and I appreciate you for being my teacher. Sending everyone listening love and light. Oh, it's so nice to be a fellow Envy person with an animal name. Yay! I totally hear you about feeling overwhelmed by the demands of capitalism. It isn't fair, and it isn't equal. 
we shouldn't have to be working to live. But a lot is changing now in how people are seeing work and productivity. There are many studies out there that point to the fact that working long hours doesn't actually make you more productive. It's a myth because our brains can't actually focus for that long at a time. And the quality of production suffers because of it. And this information has become even more to the forefront of conversation since the pandemic. The pandemic brought out a lot of realizations about the way we work in so many different ways and what we deserve as workers and human beings. And many companies in the country are now beginning to offer four-day work weeks after realizing that employees who are well-slept, have time for hobbies and family, actually are more efficient when they are at their job, and that also cuts company costs. Some people say that this could be the new norm in the future. So there is a movement towards a healthier work-life balance. That is the direction that we are evolving to. And just like in so many areas of our life, it needs healing and it needs more awakening and we have to take part in that process. So if you can't put 100% in your work because you're too tired, that is nothing to be ashamed about. It's actually smarter in the long run. You're taking care of yourself. You're putting 110% in taking care of yourself and learning how to prioritize that is essential to having a joyful life. Now, I don't know much about the field of architecture, but I do know that we are often led to the passions and pursuits and industries that we are meant to transform and bring more higher self-awareness to. And we don't always know what that's going to end up looking like, but we have to trust that our authenticity is our greatest asset in anything that we do. What we have to bring to the table is what is needed including gender identity, including desires for self-care and healing, including maintaining boundaries. So trust that all you have to do is keep following that intuition that is already there. It is not laziness to be tired. It is not weakness to need rest. It is not a lack of integrity to take your time. Not knowing exactly how your future will play out doesn't mean there's anything wrong. The truth is older generations like your teachers only know what they have experienced. But the world is constantly transforming and adapting and becoming more innovative. Don't box yourself in. The possibilities are endless for you. Hey, Bunny. Hey, Kara. You know what's cool about this podcast? What? That we get to help people and bring them together. Yeah, it's really, really cool. But we need help too, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, we do. I mean, everybody does, right? For access to bonus content and to help support this podcast, please become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash exo higher self. We couldn't do this work without you. Our Patreon and our subscribers are keeping this podcast sustainable. So don't forget to show your love. Everybody needs help and support. Thanks y'all.
Hello, Exo Higher Self fam. It's Bunny here. I am so thrilled to announce my debut book, Hello Higher Self, an Outsider's Guide to Loving Yourself in a Tough World is now available for pre-order. This book is the essential manual for unlearning your limiting beliefs that have been ingrained in you by the toxicity of our culture and your trauma and your socialization. We all have to unlearn this stuff so we can channel the power of our higher self. And everyone who pre-orders this book will receive a special free gift from me to be announced shortly. So hurry to the pre-order link in the show notes and get yourself a copy. I cannot wait for you to read it. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. My partner and I recently decided that we both want to explore polyamory, and I feel good about the decision because we're honoring our needs together. However, I've hit a roadblock, and I'm not sure how to navigate it. She is able-bodied and can go out, do regular activities, and not worry about her health exhausting her or getting in the way. On the other hand, I have some conditions, one of them being long COVID. I tried researching info on polyamory and disability, but not much came up in the context of one partner being able-bodied and one not. I love your input on this situation. I don't want to restrict her, but it also feels weird to me that she can go out and enjoy flirting with people or whatever, and I physically can't do that right now, and I'm not sure when I'll be able to. The dynamic feels off to me. I can't quite find the words or put my finger on it, but it just feels like a weird power dynamic. While I figure out how long COVID has affected my lungs and other body parts, I'd like for us to remain closed. It feels like a lot of emotional stress already with new polydynamics plus dealing with the unknowns of my health. It will probably be a few months before I get any real answers, and that feels like a lot to ask and I'm nervous to voice this. I don't want to seem like I'm coming off as trying to manipulate the situation and keep her to myself via my health issues. It's not that I don't want to be open, but opening right now feels like too much for my nervous system. If we had already navigated this dynamic or had discussed it prior to this, maybe that'd be different. It's likely I'll have health issues in the future when we're both seeing other people, and I don't think it's realistic to close every time I have a health issue, but yeah, it just feels like too much at once right now, and like I don't have the tools to navigate a big emotional unknown and a big physical unknown. Anyways, I'm rambling. I just really appreciate some thoughts on the intersections of chronic pain, illness, and polyamory. I wish there was more literature on it, but as usual, disabled people are forgotten about. Thank you so much for all the time you put into this podcast. It has been so helpful to me. Hi, hun. You are not rambling at all. It totally makes sense that your boundaries would change with your illness, that your needs would change. It doesn't mean you're trying to be controlling. At different times in our life, we have different needs and boundaries. And you're going through a lot right now. And I would hope that you feel safe enough to talk to your partner and renegotiate boundaries that make you both feel safe. I know it can be frightening. I know you could be nervous about it. It always feels a little nerve-wracking to be honest and vulnerable and advocate for our needs. But these are the moments in our relationships that we grow. The moments where we take a step forward 
and are courageous in sharing our feelings. And that is the case in any kind of relationship. Things change and we have to be willing to keep checking in on what's working and what isn't. A relationship is like tending a garden. Sometimes the weather totally sucks and you have to adjust your expectations. Like sometimes those tomatoes are not going to come out great. So I would definitely recommend having a talk with your partner about what you need and talking about the time you would need before you can really understand how to navigate adjusting to your illness and more understanding of what works for you. And the good thing is because you haven't already established these poly boundaries and the dynamics of having a poly relationship, it's not going to be such a huge change to put it off until the time is right for both of you. Right now, you have so much on your plate. You need some time and some space to just be with yourself, not to be worrying about what your partner is doing or feeling vulnerable in allowing other people's energy to enter into your relationship, whether that's through your partner or through your own thoughts. I would also really encourage you to find support emotionally outside of this relationship through a therapist, ideally, and friends and family. Being able to focus on your health and healing and inner peace is the most important thing right now. And yes, it totally sucks that there isn't more info out in the world for polyamory and disability. But that's not because people are forgotten about. It's because the industry, the health industry, the publishing industry, the medical industry, all of that is just really, really behind the times in reflecting what is real for humanity right now. The systems are slow to change. But there are a lot of people who don't forget, and there are a lot of people who care. I just ordered a book that was recommended to me called Polysecure by Jessica Fern. And I don't know, I haven't read it yet, I don't know how much she addresses disability, but I do know that the book talks a lot about how trauma, both personal and societal, affects our attachment styles and affects consensual non-monogamy. So Maybe you might find some of the information in that book helpful. And I also would recommend your partner to be reading and learning about that stuff as well. Because both of you are going to be growing together in understanding of each other's needs. And both of you need to be committed to being on the same page and evolving together. And it's actually a really, really beautiful process to go through growth with your partner and the person you love. You know, sometimes in the moments when things are really hard, it actually brings us so much closer in a way we could have never expected. And this issue about polyamory goes beyond the needs in your romantic partnership. This is really about you claiming the validity of your feelings and your boundaries. And that transcends your romantic relationship. It transcends all of those different compartmentalized aspects of your life. It's about how worthy you feel like you are. So all of these experiences, all of these challenges are meant to teach you more about your own worth and how to prioritize your own healing. And whatever your partner is willing or not willing to do in terms of your boundaries, 
does not make your boundaries any less valid or deserving, right? So try to trust in the path of your higher self that knows prioritizing your healing comes first. Try to trust that all of this is happening to bring you closer to the awareness of your wholeness. No matter your illness, no matter any kind of physical limitation, no matter what type of relationship, no matter what's going on in the world, you are whole now, you are complete, you are full of love, and you are truly, truly a gift to this world. I know that you can navigate this and come out the other side with more wisdom and more empowerment. Hey, Bunny. Um, We really miss you in our feeds every week, but um, really hope that you're you're staying well and and feeling good about the work that you're doing. Um, And thank you for still doing these bonus episodes. Um, I'm calling to ask you about um, taking accountability for the patterns that I used to have in relationships. Um, I, I, for, since high school and I'm 26 now, um, a lot of the people that I've gotten close to or, or started to build intimacy with, I would sort of turn or like detach from the relationship and, and sort of disappear. Like sometimes it was as bad as ghosting people. And other times it was as bad as just sort of emotionally detaching, um, without really knowing why or explaining why, and without it really making much sense. Um, but I think that I've, I've left a lot of people who felt very close to me feeling abandoned and, um, I've come a long way in understanding this behavior and I've been in therapy and um, reading, reading things about avoidance and, and, um, and trauma that that's helped quite a lot. Um, but my question is, is that um, I want to take accountability and I want to offer people who may have been hurt by what I did the chance to like ask questions or get closure. Cause I don't think I offered everybody closure. Um, but it's hard to, I, I'm not sure how to approach these conversations when for a lot of the people who I did, did sort of disconnect from, it was because I didn't see us as being compatible as, um, either partners or friends. And so I shouldn't have disappeared, but I want to offer them closure, but I'm not sure how to how to explain to them in a satisfying way without, um, without, I don't know, re-traumatizing them if they were hurt, if that makes sense. Um, so if you have any advice on what it looks like to, to take accountability, but also be honest about not wanting to rekindle a relationship, um, or maybe it's better to just stay away. I don't know. Um, but I would love to hear your thoughts. And um, yeah, I hope I hope you were doing well. Thank you so much. Bye. I think it's really wonderful that you have been working on yourself and taking accountability for the past and healing yourself. It's really great. And you should be really proud. And we've all been through that, right? We've all hurt people in our lives. We've all made mistakes. 
because you don't know how your wounds play out in your relationships until you know, until it becomes conscious. And it takes courage to be willing to look inside and explore ourselves and become more aware and healed people. I think when it comes to reaching back out to people we've hurt, it's really important to be honest with yourself about why you're doing it. In one way, it could be nice to offer an apology, but in a whole other way, it would also be nice to be able to let go of your guilt. And sometimes we reach out because we want to let go of our guilt through their forgiveness or their acceptance of our apology. I'm not saying that's your reason or even part of it, but I think before you make any decisions, you should really think about that because it will drudge up old feelings for that person when you reach out to them. And I think it's not really fair to assume that they need your apology for their sense of closure. Like they could have already found that within themselves. You can't make the assumption that you reaching out would even be helpful to them. The only person you could know if it would be helpful for is you, especially if you have no interest in rekindling that relationship so you couldn't offer to be the friend or support that they needed back then if they wanted it. The truth is deep down, they know your behavior was a reflection of your limitations at that time. And if they don't know that now, they will. And that is their journey. What you can do right now is write out an apology in a letter as part of your own healing and your own closure because you need closure too. And you also have to realize that you aren't dependent on them hearing your apology and accepting it for your own ability to let this go. I know you have a great heart and I know you want to mend things, but sometimes mending doesn't happen in the physical realm, if that makes sense. Sometimes it happens just energetically with your own willingness to forgive yourself, to send them love every day, to wish them the best, to change your own behavior, to teach others what you've learned. These are the ways that we transform our difficult experiences into love, into something beautiful. Well, that wraps up this episode of Exo Higher Self. I'd like to give a special shout out to all the people who have left reviews and five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Emily Vickers, Holden P., Lizzie Layden, Jennifer Blue, Ray Capture, Young Witch, Marie Marie, Caitlin Kalo, Alice Renee, Jess P12345, Alina Capella. And if you want to receive a special shout out on the podcast, leave us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Everybody, it really, really helps to get rated and reviewed on the podcast apps. It makes our podcast more visible and we would love, love, love that type of support. Plus, you'll get a shout out. So that's cute too. All right, everybody. I'm so happy to be back and returning for weekly episodes. Keep sending in your questions. Remember, if you want to come to the live reading on the 30th, please sign up for a Patreon. Take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. And I will see you next week. I love you and so does your higher self. Bye. 
Exo Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey, with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari.